Welcome to the first real episode of Caring for Changes. And I thought because it's such an important topic that we would cover off caregivers first by talking about the need for respite. Now, respite is defined as a short period of rest or relief from anything difficult, unpleasant, or even day-to-day tasking. And I'm not always convinced that we as caregivers put the focus on us often enough when it comes to this. Absolutely, our loved ones are important, whether it's Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia or just caring for any loved one on any level. It's not at all selfish to say we have to take care of us first. Now, if you've spent any amount of time in a commercial airliner, you know that circumstances are, if you're traveling with an elderly person, an infant, even a youngster, anyone whose safety or livelihood is completely dependent on you, Flight attendants will tell you, in the event of sudden depressurization of the cabin, when those hoses and masks descend from the ceiling to put your own oxygen mask on first. And the reason is very simple, of course. You cannot be of help to anybody unless you're taking care of yourself. That's the basic notion behind respite. I can speak from personal experience about this. If you're not taking care of yourself, it will catch up to you. And that can come out in many forms be it lost sleep, a sustained state of irritability, and generally a loss of perspective. No one is capable of handling this gig of caregiving 24-7 without getting proper respite. I'll give you an example, and it's based on personal experience. When I was immersed in 24-7 caregiving for my late partner, I thought I could do it all. And because Judy and I had spent so much time together, Knowing her routine inside and out, I thought I was the only one who was even half capable of taking it on. In my case, it was a defect of character. I had to learn how to let go. I thought I was doing okay. But I look back at pictures from around that era, and I I cannot believe how tired I looked, how drained I looked. Nobody can effectively do it 24-7 without some kind of a break. And it's the ability to access respite that allows caregivers to continue on the caregiving path. That's almost worth repeating. It is the ability to access respite that allows caregivers to continue to effectively provide care for their loved ones on the caregiving path. So what does respite look like? It actually can take on many forms. If you're lucky enough to have a caring relative or friend who can assimilate with your partner's routine, obviously that's a best case scenario. If that person is willing and capable of taking it on. Because this is the time for the caregiver to let go, time to rest, outings with friends, an opportunity to refresh or take part in a pleasurable pastime or hobby for a sustained period and not have to worry about what's happening back home. And that's a very important point because as a caregiver, if you're truly letting go, you shouldn't be feeling compelled to want to check in. And at the same time, it's important that whoever is offering that respite be completely immersed in the routine, the information, uh, medical regimens and everything else, nutrition, rest that the loved one needs to sustain. You don't want to be in a situation where your respite person is having to call you every hour or every couple of hours to check in on things or ask about this or that because that's the kind of stuff that prevents you as the primary caregiver to not be able to get the reprieve you need, which is the essence of what respite is all about. 
So in a perfect world, the primary caregiver has somebody to come in for three, four days at a time, maybe even a week, once a month perhaps, or perhaps once every other month, whatever period that can be arranged. Not everybody has a trusted loved one to come in and offer respite. In many cases, bringing in a trained professional caregiver is the answer. But if it allows you, as the primary caregiver, to truly let go and get the recharge that comes with respite, it really should be considered because it is worth it. So again, obviously, we're talking about the best case scenario. But really, any form of short-term relief for the primary caregiver should be looked at as part of the solution. Some respite is obviously better than none at all. Even if it's an afternoon break where a capable relative or friend can come in and offer relief and at the same time engage the loved one with activities that he or she might not normally be taking part in with their primary caregiver, even that can make a difference in terms of a break. There does seem to be some misconceptions out there uh, I know when I was getting respite in the form of three-hour breaks every couple of weeks, I had friends say, oh, I just think it's great. I love the idea of you sitting in a coffee shop somewhere, just relaxing and taking it easy. I can assure you from personal experience, that is not the case. Primary caregivers, although they're supposed to be on a break or running around taking care of errands that they normally can't do, getting to appointments for themselves, and really, that's not a break. I can tell you from personal experience, every time I got back from one of those three-hour sessions, I felt like I needed a break after the break. So really, some thought needs to be put into this. What is going to be the game plan so that the primary caregiver gets what they need to be able to continue on this journey? Now, I was very, very lucky in that my partner, Judy, went to bed early at night and would sleep right through the night. I can remember maybe one or two episodes where she was up in the middle of the night over the course of like maybe five years and she would basically sleep eight, eight and a half hours straight. So that actually allowed me a different form of respite that maybe is something you can consider. If your loved one is easy to settle, goes down without a problem and goes right to sleep, that allows you some free time if you're not completely tired at the end of the day to perhaps take some time for you. And in my case, having done it for a few years, that was an opportunity for me, having my alone time at night to connect. I would often set up Skype visits, FaceTime visits with people as a means of staying in touch. And developing your own regimen is not a bad idea. So whether or not it works to have that nighttime period for some light exercise perhaps, or a hobby, some kind of interest that can just take your mind off what you're immersed in, that is a form of respite. The other way I was very lucky is that I would get up early, get the nutrition regimen set up for the day, medications, hop online and take care of some finances. And I managed to get all that done before my loved one would actually wake up. So in my case, I was very lucky. The period in the evening and the period in the early morning was enough for me to basically continue to do what I had to do. One other idea that I found was very helpful was lining up my periods of rest when my partner was resting. If your loved one is inclined to take a nap, a sustained nap, late morning or perhaps early afternoon or whenever, and it works to have you lie down, then why not lie down as well? Take that time, even if you can just close your eyes for half an hour. That can be enough to make a difference. 
If the loved one happens to sleep in a single bed, why not, if you haven't already done so, bring a chair into the room with a footstool? But there absolutely needs to be some consideration. You or a loved one as the primary caregiver are the true warriors on this ride. The rigors of caregiving demand rest, self-care, and balance. It's really a labor of love. And that love needs to take on the form of self-care. And you definitely want to be able to say that you took care of you first. You put that oxygen mask on. Whether or not they can actively express it to you, the person you're caring for would want that for you, too. Home Healthcare Network thanks you for listening to our podcast, Caring for Changes, with yours truly, B.J. Doyle. And we hope you'll join us for our next episode, where we will discuss other aspects of home care and dementia care with a caregiver's focus. In the meantime, you can find out more information at our website, homehealthcarenetwork.ca.